Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome into the latest episode of the 5 Reasons Podcast. I'm here as always with Chris Winningham. Now that you've found us, make sure you hit the subscribe or follow button on your favorite podcast provider. Also, check out our other 14 podcasts in our network. One of those is Miami Heat Beat. We're going to have one of the hosts from Miami Heat Beat on with us today. Also, check out Three Yards Per Carry on the Dolphins Fish Tank with OJ McDuffie um, and Seth Levitt. They have uh, great Dolphins of the past on their telling stories. And our Cinco Rezones podcast, which, of course, covers the Marlins, soccer, NBA, and all kinds of other sports in Spanish as well as English. Also, check out our website, fivereasonsports.com. Spell it out, F-I-V-E, reasonsports.com. New news items, new columns, all our podcasts and our merchandise is there. All right, what we're going to do today is get back to the heat. We haven't done much heat in a while. We did have Chris Bosch on for a lengthy, lengthy episode. I was on with him alone for about 35, 40 minutes. Uh, and Bosch talked about the big three, the current team, and we are going to get into that a little bit later in the pod. But we're going to start here with kind of the news of the day, which is Jawan Howard becoming the head coach of the University of Michigan, his alma mater, a uh, place that he was part of the Fab Five. And of course, he has been the Heat's top assistant ever since David Fisdale left. Fisdale first to Memphis and now to the Knicks. And Jawan has kind of been the liaison to the players during that period of time. And so in addition to Chris today, we're bringing on Greg Sylvander from Miami Heat Beat. You know him as lefty underscore Leif on Twitter. He's kind of our, you know, saucy nuggets guy, gives us uh, little tidbits of around the team, has been correct about a whole bunch of stuff and has been on this Jawan story from the beginning. And I'm going to go to you first here, Leif, and then we'll bring Chris in. Uh, I guess let's go through the timeline of this a little bit, right? Because this is not the first job that Jawan has been considered for. No, it's funny how this all plays out. Uh, you know, I wrote a column back uh, shortly after the all-star break surrounding Jawan Howard and talked to a lot of the players um, because it has been widely expected that, that Jawan would become uh, the next candidate, the next hot name that would be floating around the NBA for all of the open jobs. And uh, so, so that kind of played out um, earlier uh, as the season came to a close and uh, we've heard his name connected to multiple jobs, whether it be Cleveland, uh, the Lakers, Minnesota. So there's been uh, a lot of, um, you know, kind of chatter that, that Juwan was next in line. And uh, the funny part about the way that it plays out uh, kind of uh, it came out of nowhere, all of a sudden uh, multiple people, people from the Michigan uh, sports media landscape up there started to reach out to me uh, regarding that interview and wanting to get more information on Juwan. And I found that to be curious. Uh, I knew that he was going to be interviewing soon, but they were very pressing and wanted to uh, speak, you know, soon. So, um, so in, in talking to those guys and then me following up with a few people that I know, uh, it started to become really clear that both sides were really preparing for Juwan to become the next head coach at Michigan. And, uh, you know, there was also um, 
a candidate that dropped out earlier today. And, uh, and that started to kind of trigger more and more of this avalanche of, of news coming through. And, um, and it looks like it, the, the job is his to take. Uh, I know that they were meeting today. Uh, it seemed as if uh, all indications were they were going into that meeting kind of with eyes on a deal. And, um, and it's, it's an exciting thing for Juwan. I think that the team obviously is, uh, is going to be um, upset to see him go, but you know that they try to set their guys up for success and, uh, and they'll be happy to, uh, to see him flourish in Michigan, hopefully. For sure, and, and I think it's, it's been one of the cooler stories that we've seen in the NBA in recent times where some guys have gone to their alma maters and, and, and tried to make this thing work, uh, Patrick Ewing being probably the most famous example at Georgetown, and, I, I, and it was funny because when, when Ira Winderman of the, of the Sun Sentinel had tweeted out that you know, basically Juwan was off the market for NBA head coaching jobs. It was because John Beeline was leaving to go be the head coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And there was this thought uh, that, you know, Juwan's out of the NBA market, and so he's going to stay with the Heat. But I had this, you know, nagging thought that maybe he would go and become a head coach at college level. I just find interesting, uh, from his, from a personal uh, trajectory standpoint, how a coach going from an NBA assistant to a college coach then migrates back to the NBA. You have to be pretty spectacularly successful to be considered for NBA head coaching jobs coming from college. I just kind of wonder if maybe, given the fact that his name was really out there in this cycle, he seemed to be well-liked by some of the teams. They just ended up going in other directions. Um, If just with maybe one more year on the bench for the Miami Heat, he would have had an NBA head coaching job, which is, I I don't know what his priorities are, probably what he would have wanted. So I'll just be curious, Leigh, for your perspective on that, which is electing to take a college coaching job rather than maybe stick it out one more year and you have what ultimately was the goal of being an NBA head coach. Super interesting point. And, and, you know, in all of the succession planning that we've talked about surrounding the heat, it's always been about Spolstra, maybe, you know, uh, coming off of the uh, sideline and into a more front office decision-making role, um, kind of, to replace Riley in, in, in you know, long term, and that Juwan was kind of next in line. He's the most popular guy with the players. So uh, it, it does, you know, beg the question, why would you um, not see that through and stay in the NBA? But one of the things that we did not tweet um, today that uh, we also heard was that Michigan is really um, – kind of framing this up similar to the way that they framed up the way that they offered their job to Jim Harbaugh to coach um, the football team. And that's that they really want to elevate this program. Uh, They're willing to invest in, um, in all of the resources necessary to make it a top-notch uh, program in every way. And I don't know if maybe that becomes attractive to Juwan. You know, it is his alma mater. He does have a lot of ties there. So, um, you know, if you get turned down at multiple jobs or you come up just short, you know, I think turned down is probably a little bit of an um, overstatement. But you, you maybe start to look at these other situations and you think about control and, and what you may be able to influence and how you can kind of build your resume. And uh, I think that that's where he's ultimately landed in um, – you know, taking this Michigan job. Well, the way that I view it, Leif, uh, you know, the pro jobs are would be great for him. And it does surprise me a little bit that he hasn't gotten more of a feeler for that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I, I know some of it is circumstantial, but we have seen uh, there is a pattern here of sort of it's odd, like players who were established pretty good or all star level NBA players that black NBA players who don't seem to get an opportunity. I, this, you know, Patrick Ewing went through this for years and years and years and years. I mean, Jawan was not the top assistant on the big three teams, but he was an inter because he was playing. Uh, but then he, you know, was done with that and he elevated very, very quickly. And, you know, you would think someone with kind of his background 
would have gotten feelers quicker. Now, one of the other things that's interesting to me, though, is that there really is not a huge history of people outside of the you know, in the heat organization kind of getting jobs other places. Um, Jeff Bizdelic did, but that was kind of a falling out. Mark Ivoroni did, but he wasn't with the heat very long. Stan Van Gundy, of course, is the one that, you know, people will talk about, but you know, <laughs> that's because of the way things fell apart for Stan, you know, whether it was family reasons or, you know, shack reasons or whatever the Riley reasons, whatever the reasons were uh, that he went somewhere else. But, you know, Fizz it, to me is really the first one that I look at that, left on his own accord right from the heat organization that got another gig you know the inner workings of the heat organization quite a bit do you think that they've been promoting Jawan to go or have they been concerned that he would be leaving and it, it's not supposed way to hold anybody back but i'm just curious how you view the perception of that it's interesting um from this from this respect is that i know that when fizzdale was uh set to interview for jobs uh, there was talk of the way that the staff rallied around him to prepare him for the interview process. And uh, like there were stories that they literally like locked themselves in a room for 72 hours and did nothing but prepare Fizdale for the interview process. And well, um, well Leif, yeah, I mean, Spo locked himself in a room with Fizz at the end at, at the Ritz Carlton where Spo was staying at the time. I don't know if he's still there. I don't know. He's not actually because now he's gotten married. But yeah, he, he they took a conference room and just nobody left. That's the way they did it. Yeah. So, I mean, like when you hear that type of story, I don't necessarily uh, I haven't personally heard uh, anything like that in terms of um, them preparing Juwan in that way. I think that this may be kind of materialized in a different fashion um, from the Michigan perspective. But uh, so I think that it's probably a little bit of both. Right. That there's there's probably a part of the organization that would love to keep Juwan around because he's a locker room favorite. When I talk to the to the players in the locker room, particularly the young guys, the Jay Riches, the Bams, the Justice Winslow, Derek Jones Jr., they their eyes light up when they when you talk about when you ask them about Juwan Howard. So to lose a guy like that, especially in a locker room where uh, if there's one thing that you could say Eric Spolster has an opportunity to improve at, it's communication with the players. I think we've seen that all the way back to the big three era, probably even before that. Ethan, you know better than I. Um, so, like, to have that liaison, as you said earlier, between the players and the coaching staff is invaluable but they're not going to hold their guy back. And uh, it's a huge opportunity for him to get him, um, you know, at a really uh, reputable program. Um, So, I mean, I'm obviously uh, expecting them to prepare uh, him to be ready to take that job. And um, the interesting next part of this is who would become the replacement for Juwan Howard on that bench. And I, I do want to, before we get to maybe some ideas uh, behind that, and we can cover that uh, in a moment, but first, uh, given the fact that you reported that story, I just want a bit more color in terms of what Juwan Howard provided to the, the Heat organization. Every time I see a picture of him, he's on a laptop working on film with a player and working on that level. Uh, based on your reporting, what did Juwan Howard bring to the coaching staff? And wh- when those young guys light up talking about him, what are they talking about in terms of how he's helped them develop as players and as professionals? Josh Richardson specifically called him the head coach of the defense, which I thought was a, a pretty um, big praise. Um, you know, that, that those are uh, are are 
awesome, you know, words to put behind an assistant coach to be the real coach of the defense. And he also called him the emotional leader. When I talked to Derek Jones Jr., uh, he was talking about how his transition to playing the four and, and spending time with Jawan and learning all the different coverages. So there were some X's and O's that were blended into the more intangible stuff that I heard from Josh. Justice Winslow talked about uh, the connections with uh, John Lucas in Houston and, um, you know, like the way that uh, Jawan Howard is putting justice to become an all defensive player in the league. Um, so you just, you hear it from all these different angles. Um, in talking to Rodney Magruder, he mentioned the fab five. He mentioned his 19 years in the league. He mentioned going to the finals, um, you know, deep playoff runs, being a star, being an all-star, being a role player, um, you know, like all those different vantage points. So I think that all that plays into really having the ultimate uh, players coach and uh, that will be something that'll be tough shoes to fill in Miami so yeah I mean that's the big issue for me and you mentioned it about Spolstra and that has been the consistent criticism through the years in fact you know we're going to talk about the Chris Posh pod here a little bit but I mean he addressed the meeting at nine and eight in 2010 and that was really about communication not just between themselves but also with their head coach and you know that has been like I said the one knock against Eric when I've talked to players over the years, is that he tends to be non-confrontational. Um, and so basically what happens is sometimes players don't really know where they stand. Uh, you go back to Shane Battier, remember the game seven against Indiana? And I tell this story all the time. Shane told me that he wasn't really communicating well with Spo, and he went to he went out with his wife to do, of course, karaoke, Battioke. He went to do that, uh, I guess it was in the Gooden Grove, and sung, you know, Don't Look Back in Anger by Oasis, and that was sort of how he got it out. He ended up contributing heavily in those finals. But like a lot of players, there were a lot of role guys on those big three teams that didn't feel they knew where they stood, um, even guys who you know, have been welcomed back into the organization since. And so that, that is something. And, and I, you know, I did a big piece on David Fisdale during the Big Three era. And the whole piece, when I talked to other players, was about Fizz's communication, that Fizz was basically the liaison between Eric and the Big Three, that when something needed to be done, Eric went to Fizdale and Fizdale went to LeBron and Dwayne and Chris. And that's why, you know, that was considered to be such a big loss. And Jawan took his place. And in Jawan's case, you're talking about somebody who was an accomplished player also, which Fizz was a college player, but he wasn't a pro player. And so I do think it's a big loss in that regard. Um, I do think that Eric needs somebody on his staff with playing experience. Um, Chris Quinn has some, but Chris didn't play at the, and Chris a very good assistant, but he didn't play at the level that Jawan did. Dan Craig played in college, obviously didn't play at the level that Jawan did. And that matters to players. It does. I mean, you can have a guy like a Tex Winter, others who can be geniuses in their own right and weren't known basically, you know, for being players necessarily. And, you know, Pat Riley was not a great player. He was a practice dummy for the most part for Jerry West. But I do think that at times it matters. And so I think when you look at who's next, it has to be, I think, A, a good communicator, and B, and I'm just going to say it, and I've tweeted it, it has to be an African-American. Um, this has been a progressive organization. The head coach, obviously, is of uh, Filipino heritage. Uh, people throughout the organization are, you know, of, of you know, very diverse backgrounds. But you can't have a, a staff uh, in the NBA that does not have black assistance. It matters. I've talked to players about it. There, there's a relatable experience there. It's not about choosing the best guy or not the best guy. Uh, it's about, and, and again, 
those coaches are qualified. Um, but it's about, you know, having a relatable experience. And so when we go through the candidates and the list that we've been looking at, the list we've been looking at is all African-American candidates. And I think that makes sense. Absolutely. And like Udonis Haslam was another guy that uh, he specifically uh, pointed out that Juwan being um, a former player, but a player that uh, is not so far removed from being on the court was another uh, factor in, in really developing that respect and that bond. And I think that a lot of the other uh uh, guys that are younger, you know, the Justice, the Joshes, the, the, those players. Um, Juwan Howard is not like this archaic figure that played when it was black and white. And you know what I mean? Um, like he is a guy that they can relate to, um, that they've seen play. And uh, and that, you know, just reinforces, um, you know, kind of what they need to replace Juwan Howard with. And, uh, and all of the names kind of bring slight variations of that. And uh, it'll be interesting to see who they, you know, definitively land on. We've heard uh, consistently five names um, today. Uh, we heard Anthony Carter. We heard James Posey. We heard Jamal McGlure, uh, UD. And then an interesting one that um, kind of came out of left field from my perspective, and that's Irv Rowland. Um, and I, I don't know a, a ton about him, but I do know that he coordinated uh, a lot of practice um, games and, and scrimmages on the heat floor, working with James Harden and Kevin Durant in the off season. He's credited with working with James Harden uh, to really improve his game and in, in, in a big way the last few years. So that's an interesting dark horse candidate. But I think really, if you looked at them all um, from my perspective, Anthony Carter is the leader in the clubhouse. We'll get back to today's episode in a second, but first I want to tell you about one of our new sponsors here in the 5 Reasons Sports Network, and that is the attorneys at Seltzer Mayberg. Find them at onecalllegal.com. That's O-N-E, calllegal.com, or actually call 855 855- 5,000 Law, L-A-W. They handle cases including but not limited to car accidents, slip and falls, and any personal injury matters. Additionally, if you mention five reasons, they will handle your traffic ticket for $44.99 with a new 15,000 square foot office opening on I-95 in North Miami. They will handle cases all over South Florida. Call now with 24-7 service for a free consultation. OneCallLegal.com or 855-5000-LAW. The attorneys at Seltzer Mayberg, a proud sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network. I, and I wanted to ask you and Ethan, because because uh, you know him well, we've had him on the pod about UD, um, because I feel like he's kind of been an assistant coach in a jumpsuit every night, and he, he's just sort of there as you know a an, an fellow leader, and you know plays alongside Dwayne Wade in those last two games, but for the most part has hardly had a playing role in the team for four years, and uh, is still carrying a salary. Do you guys think? Um, I'll start with obviously you first, Leif, that uh, UD would have much of an interest in this sort of role. Um, I asked him point blank are you coming to the front office or the coaching staff? And he laughed at me and he said, uh, I don't think I'm going to do either. Um, and that was about all I got out of him. Uh, that was in Charlotte back in February or in early March. I don't know that he's interested in that necessarily yet. I kind of feel like uh, the timing is a big thing there. I think eventually that that may be um, 
something that that could become more realistic but at this point I really feel like he may be um open to playing another year and uh and and it also goes for Dwayne and Chris as well I just I don't know that um that right now is the exact moment that uh that those guys are ready to assume any kind of role that would be uh day-to-day working with players that grind um because they've just kind of uh started their vacations from that so it's it'll be interesting to see who they can peg but i don't know that ud is that guy yet yeah and look some of these names i mean this is what always comes to me like why doesn't zach thomas go coach the linebackers at dolphins camp and i'm like because he lives in lighthouse point in a ten thousand square foot house he's got oil money um you know why does he want to stand out in the heat work 12 hours a day like fans are just like oh he owes it to us because he was really good as a player i mean This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Miami Heat. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. If you're UD, like, okay, so this week I stopped in a subway and he's the owner of the subway, right? And he's the owner of like 30 other properties and... He's got, you know, he owns a restaurant with Dwayne and he's got all these other things going on. And like he's coached, you know, his, his kids in college now and he's got uh, all these family commitments. And, and I'm just like, why would he want to do that? Look, Juwan's situation was a little different. If you you didn't know Juwan's situation, there were some you know personal financial reasons that may have made him more inclined to become an assistant uh, at the time he did. And look, that's that's fine. Everybody has their own stuff. Um, but I don't know that UD has those things. And 
like Dwayne, like uh, Dwayne's not going to go coach. Why would Dwayne go coach? I mean, he wants to fly to Milan. Like, I, you know, so. Well, I mean, I, you I, know. I do think there's this idea that uh, fans and even it, sometimes amongst players themselves, they kind of want to be coached by their peers and the, the, the teams to be run by their peers. And yet I do think there's a certain amount of grinding that goes into this. I, I think after uh, Jason Kidd and Derek Fisher, um, not particularly working well in their first stops, I, I think that that pipeline of, you know, straight off the court to the bench is going to is is closed off, and so if a, if a peer of uh, LeBron, you know, who, who obviously has been you know all about empowering other players and, and trying to get ex players involved uh, and others like him that want to be you know sort of uh, not lorded over but have you know coach and run their team former players, then th- that's kind of the way that it has to work, and so I, I do think that. It's it's getting increasingly difficult with players having so many more off-court opportunities for them to settle for the grind. But at the same time, a lot of people advocate for it, but very few players actually want to sign up for the work. Yeah, it's a lot I mean, of work. It's a lot of work. Right, of course. It's, it, it's a lot of work. I, it, it is. And, you know, the Heat, what they've tended to do historically is they ease guys into this. So, like, initially they're, like, the director of player programming. And I, that, I don't know that that's actually even a real title. But it's, like, they will ease in and they'll make appearances and they'll do certain things, special projects, maybe work with a certain player. I know they did a lot of that with Alonzo as they've kind of groomed him throughout the years. Um, so they don't necessarily take guys directly year the year after they're done playing and stick them on the bench. So I think Juwan was probably the closest is, or, you know, is the closest example of that. So maybe UD follows in those footsteps, but he has all the, the all those other ventures. So I kind of feel like um, it, just the timing there is, is a little off from my perspective. So let me ask you one more thing here, life, because everything we've talked about with the heat now is about success. This very stable organization, most stable in the sport, maybe, even more so than the Spurs, because the Spurs have lost, I like the Heat, the Spurs have lost coaches all over the place, right? I mean, Bud, right, for one. Uh, but, you know, everywhere, Borrego, Bud, um, you know, they're co- you know Brett Brown. I mean, the, the, uh, Pop has this tree that, honestly, Pat doesn't have, right? I mean, it's like, the, you know, I always said the Heat is Hotel California. Nobody ever leaves. Um, <laughs> and, and so, so as a result of that, you're kind of in a situation where, you know, uh, you know, the Heat have been incredibly, incredibly stable, but they're also with stability could be staleness at times. And I do feel that things have gotten stale. I'm, I'm not saying that necessarily anybody should go, but they did try to infuse it a little bit with Battier. Again, I don't know what Bosch's role is going to be. I didn't really get to that with him on the pod. Maybe I should have. Um, you know, obviously, Chet Kammerer is gone, sort of. I see him around practice from time to time. He's kind of behind a couple of their better moves the past few years. Adam Simon has gotten other interviews but hasn't gone anywhere. And so you're just kind of in this space right now where there's been a lot of staleness. Um, do you think that Jawan leaving um, becomes a long-term problem? Because if Eric decides he doesn't want to coach anymore, and there's no clear indication of that, but he's had a baby. He's been on the road for, I mean, I was on the road with him in 1996. I mean, we're talking 23 years. I, you know, if he decides to step aside, there's no Fisdale in the organization now. There's no Jawan in the organization now. I don't know if they view Dan Craig as, as a head coach. Maybe they've given him that role in summer league. But do you think it's a long-term problem? Yes, um, particularly because... Um, initially, you know, and I've written about this a little bit that we kind of, we viewed Spolstra as somebody who would maybe go into the front office and, and start to assume more of kind of the Riley role, uh, as he's built his resume and coached the big three and won championships. But, um, as the, uh, as the season, you know, came to a close, 
more and more you start to hear things about it being Nick Harrison and Shane Battier is kind of like a duo going at this with a new perspective. And that would be kind of um, maybe another angle where they could bring some fresh uh, perspective and inject some life into what maybe is a little bit stale, quite frankly. Um, and the issue with, uh, with Spolstra either, um, you know, leaving the bench is obviously you need to find a guy that can relate to the players, but also be, um, you know, X's and O's savvy enough to really be the total package there. Um, and, and, and I don't know that they have that guy currently on the staff. And if it's all of a sudden Nick and Shane that are making the decisions um, and Spo and Spolster really does have an interest in moving up to the front office, then, you know, is there a conflict there? Uh, so th it really is, there's some murky waters there. And I think ultimately what, what we heard from Riley directly from uh, questions that you guys asked him was that, you know, he's not going anywhere for now. So I think that long-term uh, they're going to need to find another guy that relates to the players. And, and, and I don't know that they have that player or that coach yet. Today's episode also brought to you by Doral Toyota. We're excited to tell you about one of our great partners. That is Doral Toyota, where you can find all your favorite Toyota models. Whether you're looking for a new, used, or certified pre-owned vehicle, Doral Toyota is located at 9775 Northwest 12th Street, just a few blocks from International and Dolphin Malls. Experience the Doral difference, which means four years complimentary maintenance and roadside assistance on all new vehicles. In-house financing is available for credit-related issues. Also, if you mention five reasons when you call 305 680 1129 or come in the dealership you'll work with a dedicated manager not a salesman unlike other dealers Durout Toyota prides itself on an honest and transparent buying process that's Durout Toyota DuroutToyota.com or stop in at 9775 Northwest 12th Street vamos let's go Durout Toyota all right so let's move to the next thing here and one of um, Juwan Howard's former teammates Chris Bosch. And before we kind of comment on this, you know, we got into a lot of the big three era. We got into a lot of his career. But at the end, I pivoted to the current team and I pivoted to his work with Bam Adebayo. He has a relationship with Josh Richardson that goes back to their playing days. He had he developed a relationship with Justice Winslow. Justice just took a photo with him the other day that he put on IG. So there's a closeness there. Chris clearly has a lot of affinity for these players because, uh, you know, they broke in with him. You know, they, they broke in with him, not, not Adebayo, but the other two, you know, in that year, Chris couldn't play the whole season with them because we know what happened with the blood clot. But uh, he shares a lot in terms of interests with Justice and Josh in particular. Um, he obviously shares a big man creed with Bam Adebayo. But, you know, he and Justice and, and Josh are all sort of thoughtful people with a lot of interests outside of basketball. So it makes sense. But I asked them about those players and what they could be, and here's what he said. The other side is tremendous, man. They have to, but they have to do the things that it takes to win. You know, team building, um, working hard, um, and, and that was one of the things I was kind of disappointed in with the guys is that I didn't feel that anybody was really, really taking the bull by the horns to be the new leader. Like I said, guys, who's gonna who's gonna lead these? Who's gonna lead when when Dwayne is gone? You know, Dwayne's leaving, guys. You know, the legend of Miami is not going to play basketball anymore. So it's going to be a new era. So who's going to lead that new era? And collectively, um, you know, there should be a spirit within the locker room, no matter how young you are, because I've been in the same situation. And, you know, it's just, it, it, yeah, it's one of those things to where I hope that they take heed to that. And I hope that they really take that seriously and just listen to that and, and really, really believe in themselves and really go for it. And that's one of the things I've been telling Bam, Justice, you know, all those guys. Um, they need to, you know, they need to, they need to, they need to do it. They need to believe that because nobody else is going to believe it. 
you know, nobody knows the talent and upside that Bam has. He's a tremendous talent, but that's only halfway. That's only half the battle. You know, putting an extra work in is the next evolution. Talking to your team, um, getting on the same page. Um, and these are things I tell the guys all the time. It's their time now, and they have a chance in Miami, um, you know, to really, really get, get it back going again. Playing off of that, um, Leif, who do you think? Here's my question. He wants somebody to lead. I think Justice was trying to take that step last year or this past season, and then it kind of sort of, you know, fell apart a little bit at the end because he got hurt. He has always been, to me, the alpha of the group. Josh is not an alpha. I think they tried that at the beginning of the season. It didn't really work. Josh to me is Eddie Jones. Eddie Jones was not an alpha. He was better as the second or third guy than he was as the first guy. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. And my only question with justice has been, does his game catch up to his personality? Because he wants it, but I don't know if he's capable of necessarily doing it yet. Who should be the leader of this young core, or is the leader of this team not on the team yet? Likely the leader of the team is not on the team yet, but if you had to pick one of those guys, it's definitely Justice. And I think he kind of leads in in a similar way to a guy like UD in terms of uh, leading by example. He's not he's going to be a little bit more quiet in his approach. Um, but one and, and and I agree with you. I don't know that necessarily his uh, game from a uh, like is he ever going to be a tier one or a tier two star in the league that can command that kind of respect from an entire team and be an absolute alpha? We don't know. Um, you know, obviously he could make that leap, but that would be a pretty unprecedented leap for him to make. So I think that he kind of brings more of an intangible um, team captain kind of leadership, uh, whereas. The guy that has the skills to become that kind of player is Bam Adebayo. You know, he's kind of got that um, – he has the athletic, uh, you know, physique and and the, the just raw talent that he could end up morphing into that kind of player uh, from a talent perspective. And the question there is, is he going to grow into that personality-wise? Because obviously we know to be uh, a franchise-leading player – you need to kind of have both of those things going. And Josh is absolutely Eddie Jones, as you said. So ultimately, it probably will boil down to that in the next two off seasons, that's where they're going to find their alpha. It'll likely come via trade. Um, but if you had to pick one of those guys, it's Justice. But there's a lot of question marks. The one thing Justice has going for him is that the more he plays point guard and he's running the offense and he's directing traffic and orchestrating things on that end, that definitely lends itself to being – the leader of the team. So I think that the more that they're putting him in position to be a point guard and to really run the offense, um, that is going to play into that, um, you know, into justice developing into that kind of player. Yeah. And I, I can certainly understand that point from, from that December landmark of the season, he was a much better player uh, than he was leading up to. And I think there were times where he just didn't really have it on a night to night basis, hadn't really figured out his role and I thought was going to end up toiling, and, and that Goran Dragic injury ended up doing a lot for him in terms of what he can be in the NBA. Uh, again, I, I'm just sort of dubious of this idea of him taking that next leap forward, which is lead guy on a good team, and I think ultimately leadership has to be you know two-pronged, the personality thing and also uh, a group of other players, especially for a young guy, right? If it's, if it's Udonis Haslam, that's one thing. He's done it in the game, and he has that credibility, um, but... 
if you're James Johnson, if you're Deion Waiters, if you're, you know, Kelly Olynyk, you know, veteran guys on long-term contracts, if this young guy is, you know, telling you what to do, um, you kind of have to have credibility in some respect. And I don't know how he goes about earning that other than his personality and, and those aspects of, of being an NBA superstar, an NBA leader. Um, I think the trade option, it's why, um, well, certainly from a contractual standpoint and from other standpoints, maybe the Mike Conley rumor doesn't make sense. There, it was reported on Friday uh, from the Sporting News that Mike Conley could potentially be linked with a trade to the Miami Heat. That's why it makes so much sense to me because if they're going into next year, okay, maybe Goran Dragic um, is a similar player for maybe half the salary if you keep him for next year. Um, but Mike Conley, what he brings from a personality standpoint, from a leadership standpoint, could potentially be that guy for the Miami Heat. And even if it doesn't necessarily take them to another level, it makes that aspect of the team make far more, far much more sense. Yeah, and another aspect of that is that a, a lot of the Mike Conley stuff, I think it starts to make a lot more sense if you figure out what the second move is to bring in like a Jimmy Butler per se. Like if you have that as all of a sudden a duo, and I know that this is hope traffic extraordinaire type stuff right now but like that's where that starts to make a lot more sense than just pegging Mike Conley as the guy that gets you to the five seed you know so I think that like obviously he he would elevate the team in certain ways he's more of an alpha scoring option than Goran is at this stage um, but you know I think that there's going to be some other disgruntled guys and they're they are really putting all their eggs in the basket of that a 2021 free agent is going to notify their team that they don't want to be there anymore and they're leaving the next summer and that next year uh, or heading into 2020, they're going to be able to pull off a deal with expirings and a little more flexibility to get that player that we are talking about these young guys turning into. We'll get back to our episode here in a second. But first, I want to tell you about a great new sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that is shipyourcarnow.com. These guys can move any car, boat, RV, motorcycle, or equipment anywhere you need worldwide. You have a business and need to ship freight or machinery, call them. College moves, new car, used car, buying the toy you've looked at for a while, call them. These guys can ship it all, so give them a call. Here's the number, 1-800-264-4644. That's 1-800-264-4644, or visit shipyourcarnow.com backslash five reasons. Also, make sure to mention five reasons on the phone. I wish, look, I wish they'd, I, they'd had this when I was going to college. This would have been great for me. I needed to get my car down from Baltimore to Florida. I ended up taking the auto train. You don't want to take the auto train, ship your car, fly, no job too big or too small. Ship your car. Now moves it all. Yeah. And look again, you know, the question is, can any of these three guys be that lead guy? And, and I, I think it's pretty clear now. Josh cannot. And again, it's no, it's no slam on him. There's a lot of really good players um, that are just not lead guys. One of the things is the two guard position is cleaned out, right? Like Dion's still here. There's no Tyler Johnson. There's no Wayne Ellington. There's no Dwayne Wade. Uh, there's no Rodney Magruder. I mean, so that spot is completely open for him to just take it over, but he should not be asked to have the volume in terms of shots and in terms of usage that he had early in the year. And, you know, with justice, justice wants it. Uh, there's no question about that. Um, the game in terms of him getting to be a 38.3, 38% three point shooter, him becoming a point guard for a period of time. A lot of those things, you know, signal forward progress and allow him to kind of, you know, take that next step. But it's another large step when we're sitting here watching the playoffs and we're watching Giannis or watching Kawhi Leonard or watching a, a Curry 
Like we can talk about justice taking a step to really good NBA player, the step from really good NBA player to star and then to superstar where you can have that kind of respect from everyone. That's a huge leap. And I don't know if he's going to make it or not. I know Chris has his doubts, but I know Chris didn't think he would get to this point. I think there's another jump, but I don't know if it's quite that level jump. I, I just think it's, you know, and so if that's the case to me, I agree. Bam is the most talented. His personality is a little bit more, I call him like non-toxic Dwight. Like he's, <laughs> he, he not only does he look like Dwight, but he has that kind of playfulness, but it's all positivity. Um, and so he can be a, a really good leader, but I think justice is the one, and we saw it when he's gotten in guys' faces. I think justice is the one who can, who, who, you know, has more of that in him. So maybe the two of them along with somebody they bring in is possible, but uh, you know, it may not be on the roster. I, I do think Chris's point was good though. And I, by Chris, I mean, Bosch, not winning him. I never say Winningham's points are good, but the, uh, <laughs> I, I, I do think the point that Bosch made is, is this, they have to want it. Okay. They may not be it, but they have to want it. They have to show that we're going to take control of the situation. And I do think it's tough when you have guys on bigger contracts, but I think the heat are going to make it clear. They've pivoted in terms of their strategy right now. You know, they've pivoted to promoting these guys. And so they're going to try to give them the confidence to do it. And we'll see if any of them do. And when you talk about wanting it, a guy who who's going to want it next year, and he's going to absolutely try to take it is Dion waiters. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know that that can be something that makes heat fans collectively groan uh, for a number of reasons, but uh, from all indications we've seen uh, this summer, he's in really good shape. And I think he's going to be looking uh, to uh, kind of fill the Dwayne role. So it, that's another guy that obviously for maybe next year can maybe assume some of those responsibilities from an alpha scoring perspective. But from a leadership standpoint, obviously, there's much to be desired. Yeah, my concern about that is I don't know that you necessarily want Dion in that role. I, I think there's enough confidence there already that I don't know if yeah. you necessarily want to inflate him with that. Obviously, you want his productivity if he can provide it, especially when he's on contract. But I just don't know, you know, again, if that's the direction that you want to go with this. So anyway, it'll be interesting to see. You can check out the rest of our Chris Bosch uh, interview. Really, really, really cool stuff in there. Uh, he was as usual. I mean, it was not my questions. It was his answers, as it always was. Um, whether it was Cologne or Bashi Bear or whatever, uh, Chris is the absolute best. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Fire in the Podcast. Thank you so much. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, Visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 